Canaan. It's all about Jesus. It's not about religion, it's about relationships. Where beginners are welcome. Where forgiveness is offered. Where hope is alive. And it's okay to not be okay. Welcome to Canaan STL Podcast. I'm Daniel Carr, your pastor, and I'm here with Pastor Martin Winslow. And today we have a special guest on our show. Uh, his name is William Federer. Uh, Bill is a nationally known speaker, best-selling author, and president of Amerisearch, Inc., a publishing company dedicated to researching America's noble heritage. Bill's American Minute radio feature is broadcast daily across America and by the internet. His faith in history television airs on the TCT network on stations across America and via direct TV. He's a former U.S. congressional candidate. Bill has appeared on C-SPAN, Fox, Hannity and Combs, O'Reilly Factor, NPR, MSNBC, MSNBC, CNN, as well as many other well-known uh, stations. He's also been interviewed on thousands of radio programs, including Focus on the Family, Janet Parcells America, Point of View, USA Radio Network, Salem Radio Network, Bot Radio Network, Michael Medved, Common Sense Radio with Ollie North, and uh, James Kennedy's Truths That Transform, and Phyllis Schlafly's Live and many others. There's much more we could say if Tom would allow, but We'll just stop there, Bill. You're just so well known and you've got such a great reputation. And we just want to we're just thrilled to be able to welcome you to our our small Canaan STL podcast. So thank you so much for being here. Hey, well, it's a great honor and uh, appreciate the tremendous work you're doing for the Lord. Thank you, sir. Now, aren't you originally from St. Louis? Right. Uh, uh, grew up in South St. Louis City. And then we actually lived in South County for several years. And if I'm not mistaken, I may have even spoken at Canaan Baptist Church back when Bruce McCoy. Right, was right. Outstanding. Well, great. Well, glad to have you back with us again. Thank you so I'm much. I'm thrilled. Thrilled. Yes, sir. Yeah. Bill, welcome to the podcast today. And, uh, you know, our listeners might be uh, more interested, Bill. Are, are you a Cardinals fan or not? Sure, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Had to ask that first. And, you know, I'm interested just because of your background and, and the different things that you're doing for the Lord, um, especially as it speaks to like America's noble history and heritage, how did you get into that line of work? And and why don't you just kind of tell our listeners exactly what it is that that you do and what you speak about mainly? Right. So my degree is in accounting, and um, I worked in research oil and gas company, um, Santa Fe Industries, and then we were in. Um, uh, Texas, and I was we were volunteering at a church, uh, teaching some Sunday school classes, Bible school classes uh, back in the early 1990s, and noticed that uh, Haley's Bible Handbook would have some quotes about what some famous people said about God. And so I'd go to the library, check out books, and, and then I would collect the quotes, and then I would begin to read primary sources, messages and papers of the presidents, and I would uh, type these out on my little 386 computer, and then, you know, colonial charters and state constitutions and Supreme Court decisions. And I would collect it all and kept getting thicker and thicker. And I finally had somebody typeset it. We printed it and um, over 20 years, it sold over half a million copies. Again, focus on the family, sold several hundred thousand copies. And uh, But uh, matter of fact, I was with a general uh, today, um, uh, General Kurt Fuller, who um, fought for 36 years uh, in the military, Ranger, Special Forces and whatever. And when he was in charge of the U.S. Army station in Hawaii, he said that he had a copy of my America's Guide and Country book. And he used it over 100 times when he would give speeches and addresses, men and so forth. But it, so the first book 
is a collection of God and country quotes arranged alphabetically by the person that said them. Uh, you know, Ab John Adams and Lincoln and Jefferson and Franklin and so forth. And um, uh, so long and short of it, uh, ended up writing about 20 plus books and uh, speaking on lots of different radio TV things. And, um, but I'm thrilled to be with you today. For believers coming in a, with our current, with our new administration, what are some things we need to look out for um, that could be some potential ethical dilemmas for us as Christians uh, in the new Biden administration with any changes they may make coming down the horizon? You seem to have signed some inside scoop. Do you have any inside intel on what we need to look out for as, as followers of Jesus? Yeah, a great question. Lots of thoughts go through my mind. The first one is you're, you submit to the authority as long as the authority is submitted to God. Right? So children obey their parents. But what if the parent tells the kid to rob from a neighbor hmm. or to steal or to sell drugs or to sell themselves into prostitution to bring home some money to the dad? It's like, no, the, the kids don't have to do that. Right. So the kid can disobey the father if the father tells him to go out and kill the neighbor. Right. You only submit to the parent as long as the parent submitted to God. And so you submit to the authority as long as the authority is submitted to God. And we have the scriptures where Peter is before the Sanhedrin and they say, don't ever speak in the name of Jesus again. And Peter's like, what, what's better to, to obey you or to obey God? Right. And so we have to realize that I'll submit to you as long as you, as long as you line up with God. But if you're not going to line up with God anymore, sorry, I'm going to obey God. Hmm. And then, in a, then we have to understand that um, the most common form of government in world history is a king. Nimrod, Pharaoh, Caesar, Kaiser, Sultan, Tsar, the Roman emperor. And so the frame of reference that was written was that this is the way it's been and this is the way it is. So you, you submit to the authority. America's founders broke away from the most powerful king, emperor, so to speak, on the planet. It was the king of England. He had a global empire, Britain, Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, India. And America's founders, first, they listed 27 grievances in the Declaration of Independence showing how the king had stopped submitting himself to God. It's like, okay, we got rights from God, and king, you're violating our God-given rights, and you're stirring up the Indians to attack us on the frontiers, and you're attacking our port cities, and you're uh, taking away our, our judges and replacing them with, with your people that don't give us justice. And, and they list all these reasons why, because Thomas Jefferson says, so that the world will know that we're not rebelling uh, against a uh, some, a, a proper king. One of the founders said that the king had unkinged himself hmm. because he had stopped being someone who represented God uh, to take care of the people, but was oppressing them. And so, uh, so anyway, um, so America broke free from a king. And what did they do? They flipped it and made the people the king. Right. So the citizen is Greek. The word citizen means co-king. You're a citizen of America. You are a co-king of America. So Romans 13, well, there's no authority other than that what's God allowed to be set up. And, and the Constitutional Convention, George Washington says the event is in the hand of God. And they prayed at the Constitutional Convention. And Ben Franklin was there calling for prayer. So they were seeking God. And they set up. And then Jeff Franklin comes out. And the lady says, what would you give us? You know, monarchy or a Republican? And he says, a republic if you can keep it. What's a republic? A republic is where the people are king ruling through representatives. And so we pledge allegiance to the flag and to the Republic for which it stands. We're pledging allegiance to us being in charge of ourselves. 
Right. And so when we say Romans 13, submit to the authority, well, who is the ultimate authority in America? It's we and as, as the people. Hmm. Now, uh, Jesus is the king of America by being the king over each individual person. And so our founders set it up so that we get rights directly from God. So it's, you know, all men are endowed by their creator where the king of England didn't believe that. He believed that the creator gave all the rights to him and he dispensed it to the lowly people below. We leave the king out. So we get rights individually to, from God, but we're individually accountable to God. So when we say Jesus is our king, yes, he is empowered and he's the king of kings. So he's empowered us, but we're individually accountable to him. And um, so, so we have to understand that the politicians are our servants. Right. You hire them, you fire them, you vote them in, you vote them out. And so it would be silly for a king to submit to his servant. Imagine a king sitting on his throne and the, the you know, and um, or, or a king going through his castle. And uh, the janitor says, I'm sorry, king, you can't go in this part of the castle anymore. And the king's like, who are you to tell me that? Oh, I'm the janitor. Well, where'd you come from? Oh, the cook and the butler hired me. Well, the cook and the butler, they're my servants. And, and, and he goes, yeah, but nevertheless, I'm, I'm telling you, you can't go in that part of the castle. And the king's like, well, okay. Who are Supreme Court justices? Well, they're appointed by the president and, and the, you know, confirmed by the Senate. Well, I vote in the president and the Senate. So the, the, they're my servants. So you're a servant of the servant, so to speak. Yeah. Right? And so they, they say, okay, from now on, uh, it's gay marriage. From now on, it's abortion. From now on. And we're like, okay, I got to obey. No. Abraham Lincoln said, the people of this country are the rightful masters of both Congresses and courts. John Jay, first chief justice, said the people are the sovereign of this country. George Mason, one of the founding fathers, says the magistrate is not the king. The people are the king. So we need to realize that in America, it's different than communist China. It's different than the you know, Muslim uh, Sharia. In America, our founders set it up so that we're in charge. And it's a great privilege. And you have freedom to do all your kind of stuff, but you're personally accountable to God uh, if things go wrong. So if they're teaching stuff to little kids that Jesus wouldn't teach, Jesus is going to hold you as the citizen, as the co-king, responsible. It's like Nathan going into King David saying, okay, King, you're... You know, you've sinned with Bathsheba or you've sinned taking this census and get, well, here we have, you know, the pastors and the speaking to the, 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 that you're the king, which is a great privilege, but it's a great responsibility. That's right. That's a great word. It's a great way of looking at it. You know, just understanding that the, we're, the, we're, we're really the right side up, so to speak, instead of the upside down. And so, like, yeah, it's, it's a, um, and the founding fathers, uh, look back to the Bible. Now it's interesting. You had the Kings of Europe looking back to the Bible from King Saul on, hmm. right? Saul was an, the anointed King. And then David's or the reformation, the Puritans, the Calvinists, the Baptists, they looked to the pre King Saul period of ancient Israel as the model. Yeah. So when Israel comes out of Egypt for 400 years, they do not have a king. We don't realize how rare this is until you research. So I spent a year 
researching and I wrote a book called Change to Change. It's an overview of 6,000 years. And I go through century after century from the beginning of the invention of writing, Sumerian cuneiform about 3300 BC. Mm-hmm. And you have Nimrods and Pharaohs and, and you know, Cyrus of Persia and Alexander the Great and Julius Caesar and Attila the, and, and, you know, the Viking kings and uh, the kings of Europe and Chinese emperors. The most common form of government in world history is a king. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Reformation happens. And the founders, uh, with the Muslims invading Greece, the Greek scholars flee to Italy, uh, to Florence. We call, we call this the Renaissance. And so the scholars in Europe are now reading the New Testament in the original Greek mm-hmm. rather than the Jerome Latin. Right. And they're seeing words they hadn't seen before. One of the words was ecclesia or ecclesia. Mm-hmm. Ek means out of, ecclesia means a calling. And it was a Greek word used for Athens that they would call the 6,000 citizens out of their home into the marketplace to discuss their problems and what they're going to do to fix it. Jesus chose that word to say, upon this rock, I will build my ecclesia, ecclesia. It's the, it's the body of Christ. Hmm. So everybody is supposed to be a part. The pastor teaches them the scriptures so they can know how God moved and talked in the past, because if God's going to tell you to do anything in the present, it's got to line up what he did in the past because God's perfect. He doesn't change. So you don't get off into some crazy stuff. Right. Right. And the church is the place where you're faithful in the very little, then you can get entrusted with a little more and a little more, and you grow in responsibility. Hmm. So New England is the model. Virginia was Anglican. Uh, it was still king top down. But New England, New England, you had separatist pastors. Roger Williams founded the first yep. Baptist church in America. He had a congregational form of church government. Um, Thomas Hooker founded Hartford, Connecticut. He had a congregational form of church government. What's that? Everybody in the congregation has a part to play. So it's different than the Catholic Anglican model called clergy and laity. That's right. Clergy does all the ministry. The lady is lazy and watches. No, this is the model where everybody in the congregation is involved. And the pastor teaches you how God moved in the past. So you know how to, how to, to replicate that in the present. And you're, he gives you opportunity to be faithful and you want to grow in responsibility. Why? So, you, so that you can replicate. That's right. And this thing like yeast can grow. And, and, and um, anyway, so in New England, they would have build their churches. They would have their church meetings. And then when they were done, they would have their community hmm. meetings. They call them town hall meetings. That's right. This was unique in America. When the revolution starts, the British send over a uh, Massachusetts military governor named Thomas Gage, and he is bothered by these things called town hall meetings. Uh, and, they, and he would outlaw them. So democracy is too prevalent in America. Where did that come from? It came from their church meetings. And so the church was uh, a sort of a training ground for you to be, to number one, learn how to have your own relationship with God. Right. You're a sinner. You trust God's a just God. He has to judge every sin. But God's a loving God and that he provided the lamb to take the judgment for the sin. So we approach God through the lamb and the judgment's been paid. And then you develop your personal relationship with God. Read the Bible, pray, then you'd be faithful and go to church and then you'd be faithful in the nursery. And then with the little kids and then with the junior high, then with the senior high and your adult Sunday school. And you become faithful and faithful. And then as you learn this, your own walk with the Lord, and then, then you become faithful in your family. But then at some point, you become faithful in your community. And you rise up. And so in New England, uh, Connecticut's called the Constitution State. That is where we trace the origins of the U.S. Constitution, which starts off how we the people. That's right. 
So it's a bottom-up form of government. I liken it to a pyramid versus a tree. A pyramid's top-down. A tree, every little root and every tiny itsy-bitsy capillary root all participates in sucking in water and nutrients to help keep this tree alive and growing. Right. Every single citizen, every single church member needs to be a part and plugged in and involved somewhere because you, as you, you, you take in the word of God, you hear it from the pastor, then you learn how to give it out and teach somebody else. And, and you, the, the Holy Spirit goes through you and the tree is live and growing as it sucks in the water and the water comes up through the leaves and evaporates out. So it's sort of in the flow through that the thing becomes alive. Hmm. And so it's, it's where you're involved in and letting the Lord use you to minister that you end up growing in your spiritual walk. But then the idea is you have the community, everybody's involved, and then ultimately uh, the country. Yeah, it's a great, it's a beautiful picture. I love the tree illustration. Well, Bill, we're, we're about out of time, but just if, if our listeners want to find out more of your books and or more of your your American Minute, how do they how do they find you on the web or in Amazon, whatever? What do, what do they need? Where do they need to go? Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, all our books are on Amazon, but uh, my website's AmericanMinute.com, AmericanMinute.com. You can buy my books there. And also there's a free daily email uh, called American Minute. And awesome. uh, it has little stories about something in history that has some application to what's going on today. It's the idea, um, Winston Churchill said, the further back you look, the further forward you're likely to see. That's People's right. History repeats itself. Really human nature repeats itself. That's right. Yeah, and, I remember back in high school, I had a, a world history teacher, and that was his line. He said, history does not repeat itself. People repeat history. That's always stuck with me. I, I didn't learn a whole lot of world history in high school, but that one stuck with me. <laughs> yeah, and the only thing that's changed is instead of Cain killing Abel with a rock, they would kill with bronze weapons or iron weapons or a phalanx spear or scimitar sword or gunpowder. The weapon improves to kill right. more people, but it's that same fallen selfish nature. Exactly. And right. technological advances improve. That's so right. So they begin to count and track more people. And so here's Augustus Caesar wanting to have a worldwide tracking system of all the census. And so we see that, you know, the wheat and tares grow together till the harvest. And um, and the evil side is, is their evilness is magnified through modern technology and modern weapons, but we get to use this modern technology uh, to spread the gospel better, like That's we're right. doing right now Absolutely. through this. And um, if we get through this problem, there'll be another. That's right. If we get through that problem, there'll be another. And yeah. so the answer, when we, we want to achieve the answer, but the Lord's really more interested in our response in getting there. That's right. And um, I... Uh, a little, little preachier, but uh, I use the illustration of a freshman chemistry class with a beaker with a solution, and someone pours in a catalyst that causes a reaction. And some stuff precipitates and falls to the bottom, and other stuff gets effervescent and bubbling and flows to the top. And so the era that you're living in is the solution. The crisis of the era is the catalyst, mm. and it reveals what you're made of. That's right. Are you going to drop out? Are you going to not get involved and just give up? Or are you going to rise above the situation and say, Lord, use me uh, yeah. to minister in this time of crisis? And, uh, and so God's interested in the direction you're going, not necessarily the, the accomplishment of a goal. Um, you know, it says in Ezekiel, if a, if a guy is 
sinning really bad, but he turns and repents. I'll forget all his sins. And, you know, he's, he's a righteous guy. And vice versa, if he's a really good guy, but he ends up turning to sin and God will forget all the good. God's more interested in the direction you're heading. Yeah. And, and so the idea is that, um, yes, there's crises today. Uh, we want to solve these crises, but he's more interested in your response. Right. Are you going to sit back and say, oh, I'm not going to do anything or say, God, I don't know what's going to happen, but use me in whatever little way possible. And um, amen. amen. Well, Bill, thank you so much for taking your time. I know you're incredibly busy, but so thank you for carving out a little time just to, to bless our listeners and, and hear your, your culmination of years of research and study. And, and we just thank you for all you do. Well, well, you're a great pastor. You're pastoring a great church and God's using you in a powerful way. And, uh, and you really are um, at the forefront of what the Lord wants to do. And uh, in every single person watching, God has a tremendous plan unique for you. And he's going to reveal that to you. Just take one step at a time. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in. And uh, we'll talk to you next time on Canaan STL Podcast.